So we're going to have a catch-up with Dan Bowden now and talk the weekend's action quarterfinals as we head into the Super Rugby semifinals this weekend. DB, good morning to you, brother. Good morning, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you coming on and, and having a chat about the weekend. Just quickly, mate, what, what are you up to? You still over in Toshiba? Oh, yes, mate, but I'm actually back on holiday now, so I'm just back at home for, for a couple of months, um, which is good. It's been some family time, but yeah, back up to Toshiba, um, where we've been basically raiding New Zealand rugby with stars and, and, and taking them back <laughs> up with us. Oh, on that, man, I had Sita Tamani Valu at my house on the weekend. Yeah. It was great to catch up with him, and obviously he's a big part of your backline, but his inclusion with the one and only Richie Moonga, does that excite you? Yes, mate, that's um, it's part and parcel of the reason he was down here, actually. He was trying to get you out of retirement, he reckon. Um, he didn't have a tight head prop, so he asked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But on a serious note, mate, on a serious note, we, um, no, he's uh, just a world-class athlete. He played for the Barbarians recently and scored a couple of tries. And, uh, mate, those boys have gone strength to strength in the last few years. And obviously, picking up someone like Ricky... It's a big ticket for the for the program, and I think most people will see this like playing Bowden Barrett and a few others are going to head up there, and it's going to be um, uh, who's who of world stars at the moment. I kind of forgot how cheeky you are, eh? I kind of <laughs> forgot how cheeky you are. <laughs> that all makes sense. I absolutely, <laughs> I love it. I love it, my friend. Hey, um, mate, let's let's talk the weekend. Obviously, you want to cast drive the weekend's action. What surprised you? What stood out for you? What's the obvious? Um, oh, two things I thought. First of all, Saturday's game, I thought um, them having to deal with so many injuries, mate, that's going to be an ongoing concern. I, I can't recall a side that's lost so many players, so many frontline players in the last you know, three or four years. I, I think I count that it's probably up to eight, nine, ten players now that might be unavailable, which is incredible. Um, and then I thought in the Reds' Chiefs uh, game, I thought, geez, the Reds put them under pressure. And maybe... I know they beat them last time and that mental who they were coming back, but they dug deep the Chiefs and in the end obviously um, got over the line, but probably gave a blueprint to some other teams about how to upset their momentum. Yeah. Hey, Dan, thanks for, thanks for joining uh, Izzy and Kempe this morning. Hey, just with the, the, the conversation around the Crusaders, like post-game, then it was announced that they're playing the Blues down there. What is it, what is it about the Blues coming down to the Crusaders? The players were biting at the bit to, uh, to get to this game on the weekend. Um, it's just a – is it because it's Auckland or is it just – is there some other rivalry that we don't really understand? Oh, a bit of both. I've played for both against each other today. I think it's um, they just don't like each other. You can try and dress it up as much as you want, but it's just two different types of cultures, I imagine. Um, like you know, you still got that old historical rival from from many years ago, and then you know players like to be competitive, and then a lot of them share time together in the All Blacks, but they like to get one over each other. They're a little bit different in styles of game they play, and I think it's it's good to see we haven't had that sort of. This type of rivalry for a little way, but bubbling along underneath there's a few probably, you know, um, subplots with personal battles with people getting picked for the All Blacks. You've got guys who um, have had injuries or suspension and missed time and opportunities to play against each other. So, look, it's really good to see. I was really, oh, I really like it. We don't get that much honesty from someone like Scott Barrett or Dalton Popoli saying that they are that keen to play each other, which is great for the fan. I talked to uh, Steve Devine a bit 
Dan, uh, did, did a blues show with him for a while, and yep. you know he said every time he went to Christchurch, just got absolute dogs abuse from the fans, not 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 just <laughs> in the stadium but around town. And he said, I so say he uh, he started doing this thing there. He'd walk into like he'd be at the hotel, he'd walk into the lift, and he'd just shake everybody's hand. And then as he's shaking their hand, he'd turn it so their hand was facing up, and people were like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, just counting how many fingers you got," you know. And like he just started giving it back. Uh, uh, I mean, how was it for you when you you, you know? You moved from the Blues to go play for the Crusaders. How much stick did you get, and 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 what was it like being on the other side? Oh, not a huge amount. No, that's probably more a reflection on Stevie Devine. <laughs> 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 yeah, but in, in, uh, in fairness, it's not um, it's not like that. I think once you're into the the program, like once you're in, that they welcome you either way massively. It's just. Um, you obviously get a bit of banter for, for representing the other side and, you know, you finally see the light, mm. etc. But, um, mate, it's just the, traditionally, obviously, those teams that have had a lot of success and there is just that underlying, you know, animosity or desire to get one over them, which I think is great. It would have been amazing if it was the final, but the semi-final itself is still going to give us a bit of a spectacle. But I didn't cop too much, mate, to be honest. Um, <laughs> the boys are really good. They're really welcoming. I think there's a lot of guys in both teams who... Um, have that senior statesman respect for each other, so they'll just get on with business. I'll tell you what, you wouldn't have been wearing is those diamond earrings you used to roll around in Dunedin <laughs> back in the day, mate. So <laughs> you wouldn't have had those walking around, Christchurch. Oh, let's, let's keep that <laughs> on the better. <laughs> hey, um, mate, just on the blues. Uh, look, it's been a well, it's been a mixed year for for them. But on the weekend, I, I think they played their complete. They put out their complete performance out there. Are you confident and happy with the way that they played on the weekend? That's enough to come to Christchurch and get the job done? Uh, that's a really good question, man. I I think they really needed that game on the weekend. And yes, they played better. Um, I went to the Highlanders game uh, the week before and it was probably one of the worst Super Rugby games I've seen in a long time. So they had to move on from that yeah. pretty quickly. Uh, but honestly, I mean, I sat with a whole bunch of other you know, former players and whatnot, and it was really, really atrocious. The, the school level, the amount of reset scrums, whatnot, it wasn't a great advertisement for the game. And then the week later, they obviously got some quality set piece ball, and the lineout hasn't been mm. functioning all that well. And when they did, they finally managed to make a few line breaks. Uh, it's been the biggest criticism up here for the, the Blues, just around their stuttering attack. You know, you've got some world class athletes, but they haven't been getting the ball in space and manipulation of defenders hasn't been great. Um, I think, obviously, the Tars, you can't just sit up there and not flash. And yes, the Blues did run away with it towards the end. Mm. Uh, but it was good mm. to see continuing form with some of those players. I think Mark Torres obviously had a wonderful season. It was good to see Rico Ioane have some ball in space. Um, I thought Finn mm. Christie again was a standout. But to be honest, I'm not sure. I think it's going to be the battle of two different styles. I think the Crusaders are still going to go to that set piece that, that obviously dominated Moana, uh, sorry, uh, the draw against on the weekend and then the Blues look better from turnover and counter-attack, which is, you know, the DNA for both sides. But I'm just worried that the Crusaders in that matchup, I'm just worried how many players are going to be available. They, they seem to have struck so many injuries. It's going to be a good game. Played Friday night. Crusaders, Blues, the Crusaders are dollar fifty-five. Dan, the Blues are two dollars fifty. Mate, you touched on it with the with the Chiefs. Um, just say it goes the way you know. Crusaders, they they get to this time of year. That's why they they're champions and they get through. Yep. What did you see in that game um, against the Reds? That probably they can take it uh, if they do come up and play the Chiefs. They can take into it. 
I just think, well, the Reds obviously stopped with a lot of their attack. You know, I think there's 92 kicks in the game. So if you mm. continually kick the ball back and make them kick it back to you, then you're loading sort of counter-attack and you're not allowing the Chiefs to go to a set-piece launch and really execute one of their line-out attacks or maps, as they call them. And the way that the Reds defend that, obviously, they put a few numbers in the tackle each time, which slowed the momentum and the ball down for the Chiefs, which meant that Damian McKenzie couldn't go to the line with this particular shape that they play, and he drops runners underneath, and then they have lead runners, and it just takes away time and space, and I thought the Reds did that very well, so obviously the first thing was they keep kicking the ball back to them, making them not start from a line out, and as I say, secondly, they, they put numbers in the tackle which slowed the ball down, they gave them spacing so they could jump forward off the line, and but I think those who watch that now, they think, OK, there's a little bit in there so that we can shut down and McKenzie down. Then it's very difficult. Um, and it took a long time for the Chiefs to get the ball to Sean Stevenson and Amorim Zanola until the second half. On the, the question on those 10, you, you read off Damian McKenzie. You've obviously yep. you know, been watching um, Bowden Barrett and, and Richie Maunga. So going forward, you've been a 10 yourself. Who is leading the 10 battle at the moment? If we're looking ahead to the future, obviously Richie is probably leading that run. I want to hear your thoughts on that. But where does Damien and Bowden fit into this formula? Oh, mate, it's such a good question. To be honest, like, they have to decide and they have to basically play one of them. Um, if we're talking like World Cup and, and moving forward, they have to mm. choose who's playing. And they have to choose either Baz is going to be in the 23. I don't think he's going to be playing fullback. So then, is it just unlucky on Damien McKenzie? Damien McKenzie's super rugby form has been outstanding. No one can argue that. Mm. But when it comes mm. to the driver's seat for the All Blacks, are they actually going to give him the keys? I'm not sure. I still think they'll go with Richard. Um, and then Bodie Barrett will either have to be you know, in Jersey 22 and coming off the bench like he was for a long part of his career, as you know. And then... Mm. And start a genuine fullback. If they play him at fullback, then, you know, there goes, Will Jordan doesn't get to play fullback. So, I don't know. But I just think they have to choose one. And we can't forget that Bowden Barrett's world-class. And having someone like that mm. to, to back up is great. But I think Damien McKenzie's been outstanding since he's come back from Sartori. But the fact is, how many games has he really started at 10 for the All-Bank? And will they do that in the World Cup year? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And being a, being a 10, Dan, what, like... How important, we've got a conversation going first thing this morning about Mark Talia and Sean Stevenson. How important yep. is it to have a 10 um, that actually understands that you've got a bit of firepower out there? And, and when you're watching those two play, do you think there are certainties to make the all-black team? I don't. I'd say Mark Talia is a certainty. Yeah, my first part of the question, yes, it's good to see and have a 10 that obviously can get the ball to the edge, whether it's those kick-pass plays or just understanding that there is threat on the edge and that mentally you want to shift it there quickly. Um, second part, I think Mark Talia is nailed on. I'd, I'd have him starting on the right wing. Sean, mm. I would love to say he's going to make it. I think he's had a wonderful year, plays multiple positions, can't play wing and fullback. There is just a formula in terms of how many outside backs they're going to take. I, I'm really unsure because if they squeeze Damian McKenzie or someone like that into the outside backs, um, you know, we're going to have to take one less specialist winner. So, I hope Lester Fine looking makes it Mark Talia. That would personally be my starting wingers. Um, you know, where are they going to play Geordie? Do he play 12 and what knock-on effect does that have? Mm. I, I hope Sean makes it. I really do because I think his form has been sensational. I think they should cap him in these first two games or three games before the World Cup and then see how he handles it. Um, but I couldn't say that I'm, I'm, I did put my house on and making the World Cup side at the moment.
It's a hard one when you know you got Anton, Jordy, Rico, oh, Jack Goodhue, Braden Enor, you know, in that left wing. Could you see a, a day where Rico's playing 11? Yeah, I think he possibly could in the World Cup. As I reckon if you take one midfielder, mm. one more midfielder, then you take one less winger. I think the person who's, in honesty, probably most at risk is Caleb Clark. I don't think he's at the heights of his previous years. Um, and the way Leicester's had obviously advanced on the season, you know, uh, try scoring, carrying the ball, you need some physical presence. The other winners are more, you know, speed and evasion. He's still that power type winner that you need in the balance of the back three. So, yeah, I can see someone notable is clearly going to miss out. Um, and do they even potentially... I think a lot of World Cups, and you might be able to correct us, but they don't have taken four... I think it's only four midfielders that go. So maybe Rico mm. gets classed as a wing and a centre. Maybe someone like Jack misses out or Braden Eno misses out. And it depends if David Harvey comes back in time. Dan, um, mate, it's great having you on. Great having you back from Japan. Uh, just, I mean, obviously you're getting paid the big bucks up there now because that's what you know. They, they, they sort of they want the best of the best up there. I mean, how much of a a factor in Richie Mwanga going to Toshiba was the fact that he got to work with you? Oh, mate, I'm going to get it to tell everyone it was all the reason. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know, mate. I think it's uh, we've got a lot of professional um, players in our group. Um, we had Matt Todd, obviously, he's just full stunts, and he's landed a coaching gig with the Crusaders. We had Tom Taylor, we had Jack Stratton. We've had a lot of boys set there himself, um, Todd Blackadder. So I think that sort of link was probably more so, mate, than me. Um, but it was it would be great to work with him. Obviously, he came up and he did a bit of like a presentation and a tour and, and whatnot. So, look, he's clearly class. Everyone's looking forward to having him. But as I say, mate, the competition's growing massively. You're going to have probably... Well, at least six of the, of the world's best top ten players, if you exclude some of the French and European blokes, are all going to be in this competition. So it's getting much stronger. What is Dan Baldwin going to do for Richie Moonga? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, <laughs> make sure that our scrum and line-out's good, at least that he touches the ball. <laughs> no, mate, we've got a few things to get up for him, mate. But we've also got a compulsory rule that uh, no one in the coaching staff ever has to buy coffee for the rest of the year when they're on the money he's on. <laughs> oh, I know, mate. Oh, it's disgusting if the numbers are true from what I'm hearing. But anyway, he deserves it. And if he... Can't allow Dan. Mate, we know the coaching staff don't go over there for free too, mate. Hey, Dan, appreciate you coming on, mate. Just quickly, you still rolling around in that Beamer, the silver one? <laughs> no, no, I've got a family wagon these days, you know. <laughs> it would go with the no diamond earrings, would it? The Beamer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, boys, I could tell you some stories about the house in Izzy looked in. It looked like a, street, oh, a Castle Street flat. It was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough for you. We don't want any more stories <laughs> throwing me out of the bus, mate. Appreciate you coming on, DB. You're a champion, Thank and uh, all the best. With the future, man, appreciate your analysis on the game. Thanks very much. Cheers, boys. Take it easy. Uh, good stuff. Uh, Dan Bowden there with us on SENZ. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Not too far away now from Kempi. He's stretching the hamstrings. He's stretching the hamstrings. He's getting ready. He's getting ready, mate. I'll tell you what, he's steaming. The steam coming out the nose. Off the back fence is next right here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance.